0: This is Steve McLeod, and you are listening to Bootstrapped, the podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies. In episode 233, we have two guests interviewing each other. I've invited two friends of the podcast, Andy Bryce and Robin Warren, to chat with each other about what it's like running a lifestyle business in 2022 compared to, say, a few years ago. Although both Andy and Robin run what they call lifestyle businesses, they've taken different approaches based on what they want to get out of their businesses and their lives. I enjoyed listening to Andy and Robin chat, and I'm sure you will too.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Bryce. I've been making a living from writing and selling my own software full-time since 2005. My products are perfect table plan, a seating planner for events, Easy Data Transform, which is data wrangling software, and Hyperplan, a task planner. They're all downloadable software that runs on Windows and Mac. And uh, my wife does the accounts proofreading and other bits and pieces for the business. But we don't have any other employees, and I've never looked for a taken investment. Hi, and I'm Robin Warren.
0: So I've you've been doing it 17 years. I've been doing it seven years successfully, and was monkeying about it for a few years before that unsuccessfully. I run a small business. I've got a handful of employees and we build add-ons to Trello. And yeah, that's it me. of <laughs> what
1: I do. Okay. So we're going to talk a bit about lifestyle businesses from our own perspectives, because I think it's a subject that doesn't get discussed much. So Steve, who owns this podcast, asked us to have a chat about it and put across our perspectives on lifestyle businesses, because we obviously hear so much about venture funded businesses and unicorns and Googles and so on. So we just wanted to put a bit of a different perspective for it. Um, yeah. And I think just that in the
0: bootstrap space as well, it's changed over the years, back in the day, and maybe we'll come back to this later, it felt to me that bootstrapped and lifestyle business was almost synonymous with like the years of the four hour work week and things like this and start stop, small, stay smalls kind of attitude. And now that has changed. And yeah, I'm keen to redress the balance a little bit and yeah, get some lifestyle business people out there talking about things.
1: Let's start off with a question. Robin, what to you is a lifestyle business? Me and my wife went out for a walk last Friday. So this is part of
0: what a lifestyle business is for me in practice is flexibility to do things like that. We just took Friday, and went for a nice walk and then a swim in a freezing cold river. And I was trying to define what a lifestyle business is on the way Back with her. And I came to the conclusion if we're going to talk about it on the podcast, we could spend 30 minutes and not get to an adequate definition. But I think the key things for me is a lot of flexibility that, that life doesn't fit around the business. The business doesn't entirely fit around your life. There's a bit of balance, but there's quite an extreme level of flexibility in terms of the absolute number of hours you're working and when you are working them. And that you should, I think, also enjoy the business. I think if you're working two days in a week in a business you hate, so you can have three days a week off. I don't know if I would really feel that was matching the definition. But if someone listening to this is doing that and they feel it's a lifestyle business, then don't let me tell you it isn't.
1: I think there's probably as many definitions as there are as many people doing it. But for me, it's pretty similar to what you said. It's about supporting your lifestyle, so building a business that supports and provides funding for the life you want. And that partly means having the flexibility to go and do things, but also it means generating enough money to do those things, but also the work itself being enjoyable and fulfilling and not some sort of just awful grind that you're going to do because you've got some idea about having a Ferrari in 10 years time and you're less beholden to other people so that's a separate issue which we can come on to it's often seen as an insult by venture capitalists you see this on things like Dragon's Den or the American equivalent shark tank where they'll say oh that's that sounds like a lifestyle business and it's a bit of an insult really and basically what they mean is oh that's not generating a vast enough fortune that i can grab grab a big slice of it and so i feel our sort of perceptions of what a lifestyle business is are very warped by the media because they're interested in all the sexy steve jobs and steve wozniak start something in their business becomes the most valuable company in the world that you know, and work a hundred hours a week doing that for years and years, and in Steve Jobs' case, probably you was know, a terrible person and just trashes everybody he meets along the way, according to some accounts <laughs> yeah. I've heard. You can do that and run a lifestyle business <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> I sp- yeah, I do. suppose if you only care about your own lifestyle, if you don't care about <laughs> about other people. Yeah, yeah, obviously, I've got straight into a controversial subject there. Some people think he's the greatest thing ever.
0: On a smaller scale, the thing that it used to be, and actually, when I go and talk to other bootstrappers, a lot of them are running lifestyle businesses or are aiming to run a lifestyle business. When I talk to friends who are out in the real world and have jobs, they're generally quite envious of the way that I get to live my life with the sort of flexibility around everything. They like that approach and they're trying to, like a lot of people we see nowadays, they're trying to go down to four days a week or get a bit more flexible working in. It seems that in the real world, when I talk to people, that is a majority of that people want that. But when you look at What is talked about on podcasts and blog posts and everything. It's more the sort of work culture. And have you got any idea of why that sort of story has changed, it feels, in the bootstrapping world over the last 10, 15 years?
1: The uh, the sort of narrative of Guy gets up when he feels like it, has a coffee, goes and does some work, goes off and does some kayaking or a swim. It's not terribly sexy as some sort of multi-billionaire who lives in a volcano who started off picking up cigarette butts on the street. That's a sort of a really... Sexy narrative that they can really sell and make films.
0: Even if you get away from the billionaires, even if you just look at our sort of, I think, microcom, calm fund, these sort of parts of the business world, that's not the billionaires in a volcano, is it? It's people make good money, very good money, sometimes extremely good money. But even in that world, it seems that it's not talked about lifestyle businesses so much these days.
1: Yeah, it does seem to have changed and a whole sort of thing. There was quite a big movement for micro ISVs, little one man companies about 15 years ago when I was starting off. And that seems to have drifted away. That was championed by people like Eric Sink, who actually himself ran a, ran a substantially larger company, he coined the term. And it was very popular for a while, and then it seems to have disappeared. But I think it's just The media's interested in the things that will make a good story, and that's somebody who's got a garage full of Ferraris or something, and it's not somebody who's just got a nice, relaxed, flexible lifestyle. I would say that may be much better for the person that actually has that lifestyle, but it's not as interesting a story. Yeah, I wonder sometimes as well if there's an element that
0: the people who've got something to sell are the ones going out and talking and writing all the blog posts and the people live in a lifestyle business are like, I'll just go kayaking. <laughs> and at some point it becomes a little bit show-offy maybe. I hold back from talking about, I mean, I work roughly three, four days a week. At the moment, it's more like three. The start of the year, it was more. and it changes over time, I take most of the summer holidays off. And this is getting into a topic I wanted to get into with you of what it means in practice for you running a lifestyle business. But at some time, at some point, it feels you are showing off coming in and talking about this stuff and you're not really helping anyone with a new marketing tactic or whatever. Whereas I think sometimes people coming along and talking about MRR growth that they've had and maybe a little bit about the hours that they're working or whatever, it doesn't feel quite social. Uh, yeah,
1: Yeah, there is an element of that, but I'm also, as you say, it's just trying to address the balance to say that we're going and getting funding and joining Y Combinator and trying to be the next unicorn. That's not the only way there are yeah. other paths if you choose to pursue them. If you want to go and live in, in a hollowed out volcano, then that you need to go and get venture capital funding. And you need to pursue that path and work 100 hours a week or something. One of my more controversial opinions on the whole lifestyle business thing is
0: if you are the billionaire living in a hollowed out volcano, I think that's a lifestyle business. Because if you want a lifestyle of living in a hollowed out volcano with lasers, laser sharks, there's only one way you do that. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: guess so. But the reality is they probably spend all day on calls to investors and dealing with various things like that rather than kayaking around their island, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so what does it mean in practice to you then, having a lifestyle business? We talked about the sort of a rough definition, but what does that mean on the ground? My
1: my aims when I started, which I always try and keep in mind, was basically no boss. Obviously, I have customers telling me what they want, but I don't have a single boss who's telling me what to do, what I've got to do. I don't have any employees. My My wife and I both work for the business, but she knows what she has to do, doing the accounts and stuff. I don't have to manage her at all. I wouldn't dare. I don't have to wear a tie. I don't have an alarm clock, you know the only other time I set my alarm clock up is when I'm gotta make a flight to go on holiday. No meetings. I maybe do one audio visual thing a month or something with a potential customer. My commute is about ten meters to the bottom of my garden. <laughs> and and also being able to spend time with my family so when my um my, when my son was young I was there every day when he got up in the morning I was there all day he could come and talk to me I was there when he came home from school and I have friends that have been working in the city who basically just don't see their kids because they get up before their kid gets up they get on the train they go to London they work all day they come home exhausted and, and their young kids are already gone to sleep they don't ever see them at the weekends and that seems, yeah, that's a pretty horrible trade-off to me. So, yeah, so all those things really. I Yeah, just don't like getting up in the morning. I have always, that was the <laughs> worst thing for me, a nine-to-five job was having to be there at a yeah. certain time, which I had for some jobs and an alarm clock and trying to get into the car half asleep and get there and not be too late. Yeah.
0: Are you still working roughly a nine-to-five then?
1: Roughly. it's Yeah, it's very flexible. So I might go on holiday for several weeks and only do an hour a day. Most yeah. days I'm working roughly about nine to five and then might do an hour in the evening but i'll take time off to do chores and sometimes i'll do a bit of the weekend it's just basically what i feel like if i've got a fire lit under me and i'm really trying to get a release out or something i might work quite long hours and sometimes i'll yeah only work an hour or so a day so i would say that i probably work more than 40 hours most weeks but a lot less some weeks yeah. But okay. I, I really feel I don't dread getting up in the morning and going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And prioritizing being able to keep
0: control of a lot of the coding was priority for you, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just when you work for other people, you're always cutting corners and there's always a lot of pressure and some wretched salesman promising a release date. And the only way you can meet that is by clutching loads of stuff and it's going to crash. And if you're working for yourself, you've got complete control over that. So basically, I don't promise any release dates to anyone and i don't release anything till i feel it's ready i think from what you've said your aims are fairly similar but you one of my main driving factors is having a fairly stress-free life so having an interesting job and one that's not yep. too stressful and so i've avoided having employees cuz i i don't feel i'm i don't feel i'm very good at managing employees i don't think i was a very good manager you've gone down a different track you do have employees how does that work for you do you is that do you feel that's the right balance for you that i think is part
0: of the key for me so my kids are a bit younger than yours so i've got sort of seven and five at the moment and my wife went back to work at the start of this year so it's three days a week she's now two and a half days a week so monday tuesday and wednesday i'm drop off in the morning and pick up in the afternoon monday and tuesday which means yeah i start later and i finish earlier and I, at the start of the year, I was pushing myself to cram everything in I could. And then I looked at what I was doing and it feels like, oh, I'm only working from nine till two, nine till two thirty, something like that. Surely I can just work through and have lunch at my desk. It's a short day. But actually, yeah. I start working when I am getting the kids breakfast and getting them ready and get out of the house because my wife's out the door by then on the train and she comes home at five. So I get back with the kids and then I'm breaking up fights and hanging out with them and tidying and <laughs> cooking tea. So actually you've got a seven to five day and you're trying to do it with no lunch break or no time off in the middle. And I was just burning myself out. That's where it works for me. And that's why I think having people working for me is important because I know the support's getting done. I know there's a baseload of development work is getting done every single day. So we're pushing out quite an amount of work every single week, even if I'm not directly putting the hours in on that myself which is yeah which is makes me feel a lot more relaxed about the business like you say stress-free approach to the business and that yeah i think that's where i found that business needs to be at also there's an element isn't there i think you can make these decisions about hiring or not hiring but at some point it's a lifestyle business it's also it's a business as part of that and you have to respect what the business needs the business needs a load of in-person yeah. sales then you've got to do in-person sales or you don't have a business anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just take the attitude that I'm just going to, it's just me and so things are going to be a bit slower. It's going to take me a bit longer to build that because I'm also doing the sales calls. And I'm also doing the support and everything. Yeah, it just takes me a bit longer to get there than if. But so, for example, during COVID, obviously that had a terrible effect on Perfect Table Plant sales because there were just basically you no know, meetings happening anywhere in the world. So the Perfect Table Plant sales just absolutely fell off a cliff. Because it was just me and my wife, I didn't have to worry about how am I going to pay the salary for these people? Do I have to fire them or anything? So, yeah, it's it was good from that point of view. That was there was less stress there. So the other thing, I think it depends a bit about what you're good at. I don't, I'm pretty poor at delegating things and I don't think I was a particularly good manager. I think I'm a much better at programming and support and documentation all the yeah. other things. Yeah. Hiring is pretty boring and <laughs> firing is Yeah. I found anymore. it quite stressful. I've been in situations where people needed to be let go and things and I just found that incredibly yeah. stressful. Yeah. Um, no, it's
0: not nice. But yeah, coding, I was finding, I was not putting out the quality that I really wanted alongside everything else that I needed to be doing in the early days. So that was kind of like, I need someone else to take this on. And I guess the money was there for it as well. And I was happy living on less money in those early days. I'm optimising for a bit more for profit these days and recruiting less people. And obviously could try and run the whole thing on my own, but that's not going to lead me into sort of a nice relaxed approach to the business. And the people who
1: are working with me still would be stressed out, I think. Howdy's mentioned that different products have have different size companies that naturally fit with them and of course when you start a company you don't know what the natural size of it's going to be it might might be zero employees if you've picked badly (laughs) but yeah i think some businesses they just grow and you've just got no choice you've either got to sell the business or take on employees or die of the stress of trying to do it all on your own and yeah, so businesses I have, I feel that I'm able, sometimes I feel a bit stretched with three products. I'm only really working on two of them at the moment. So it is a bit of a stretch, but I'm quite glad I've got more than one product. Because if I was completely dependent on Perfect Table Plan, I basically would have had pretty much zero income coming in during the pandemic. I always thought if my income dropped to zero, it would be because Google de-indexed me or something. I didn't really consider there might be because of a global pandemic. A question, a question for you. Have you ever considered funding? Yeah. So very early days of running a business, and I think
0: Tiny Seed was being announced. And I went and chatted to my wife one day, and was like, "So this my daughter would have been one year old or something at the time. I don't know. Still around the house, and just sat down and had a cup of tea and talked through. Would this be worthwhile? Could how would I spend that? Because I was already thinking about hiring people and building other products. It was just it would accelerate all of that." But it didn't make sense to me at that point. I think because I had enough revenue coming in, I could self-fund it. And if nothing else, that seemed to reduce a load of admin. <laughs> so not... Yeah. So, so would,
1: would you ever consider it?
0: I don't know that I would. I would always consider Never say never. I would always yeah. consider it. I'm not against it, but it's not, yeah, it's not something I really think about too much.
1: Yeah. Yourself? Um, no, I don't think so. As you say, never say never if some opportunity came up. Yeah, but I prefer to just steer clear of things like that. I'm just quite happy plowing my own furrow, really. I don't really need some investor telling me what to do or ordering me around.
0: Yeah. If somebody out there is, because there probably is a point where you can lifestyle business something or not. I'm not sure what. There's an one, as you say, like the business will dictate the size it's going to be any amount of work it needs. But is there anything new you- think that you did, which helped make this a lifestyle business
1: for you, which other people could consider doing themselves? I, so I saved up some money and then basically lived off those savings and then worked like crazy for the first year or so to get to the point where I could support myself. So I don't know whether that's particularly helpful advice. I def, you hear stories about people running up massive bills on their credit cards and things. I definitely wouldn't recommend that. So I, if somebody's serious about doing this, I would either do it in your spare time while you're doing other work, being careful about the legalities of that and whether they own it, or save up some money and then do it, I definitely wouldn't max out your credit card. Because most most products fail. I'm sure it's the majority. It might be maybe it's 70 or 80%, maybe it's ninety percent. And many of the people that the listeners have heard of that are really successful probably had five failed products beforehand i was quite lucky in that my first product perfect table plan was relatively successful it doesn't generate enormous fortunes but plenty enough to support me and my family which is all that i need yeah okay so well i've got another question which is okay so my other question is what about downsides do you think there's any downsides to running a lifestyle business as opposed to either a funded business or a nine to five salary job this is interesting because i
0: think we've both got slightly different definitions of what a lifestyle business is
1: because you seem to still be working
0: full sort of nine to five and a big part of it for me is having that sort of friday off with my wife and doing a school run and stuff with the kids and having that kind of flexibility around it so the downside there is obvious that i'm spending less time on a business and there's a risk there that if in two years time i'm back on a podcast somewhere explaining how i got everything wrong because my business went under (laughs) because i wasn't putting the time into it i'll feel a bit stupid so there's that possibly slightly ridiculous risk but it's it is there there's the anxiety that comes around that and justifying that to yourself and others that you're not putting all of that time in just fear that you're doing it wrong because everyone else seems to be doing it a different way i think that's always my biggest fear anyway is that it's going to fail i'm going to have to go and get a job i don't want to have to go and get a job again because i quite enjoy doing what you think you
1: could do a nine-to-five job again
0: i could but um, it's not the way i would want to go really long term Yeah. No, I think it'd be difficult once you work for yourself for a while it'd be quite hard to go back. So I've got a small team but we're not co-located or anything so we have a sync up once a week and I chat to pe- people on the team most days. But I guess there's an element of not getting that sort of in-work social aspect and certainly if you're building a business that you're growing and growing and you get into 30 employees or something like that that's very different and you're getting a lot of social needs. Um handled at work. I can deal with that by going out and hanging out with people. I was out at training this morning with a few other people who take Thursday mornings off to do that, just things like this. As an
1: adult, a lot of the people that you meet day-to-day is through work and there's a natural half-life of friends and acquaintances and things. So if you're not continually meeting new people through your work, then... You know, you can yeah. become a bit sort of distance and you meet less people. So I've noticed that working for myself for the last 17 odd years. I still keep in contact with some of the people I used to work with and things, but you know, it can be a little bit isolating at times. Also I'm sitting down at the bottom of my garden doing all this interesting stuff, but you can end up feeling a bit distant sometimes, so that that can, be a, that can be an issue, I think. And I do know people that when their kids have grown up and left home, they've gone back to a salary job because they just felt a bit lonely working on their own. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely one of the issues, I would think. Yeah. Anything else for you on the issues side? I think that's probably the main one. Obviously, when you start off, it's hard because you're working on your own. Or oh, certainly, I was working on my own, you don't know if it's going to succeed or not, and you've got a mortgage to pay, so those initial phases were pretty were pretty hard and working crazy hours trying to make things. Succeed, but it's a lot yeah. more. It's a lot more relaxed now. And the, my sort of income, pandemics aside, my income's reasonably steady. It doesn't fluctuate massive, wildly up and down. It tends to go. There tend to be more events in the summer and less in the winter. There's sort of seasonal fluctuations and things for perfect table plan sales. But it, it's reasonably predictable. So yeah, it was pretty sort of seat of the pants to start with. But it's it's quite a b- bit more relaxed now. You were talking about. You know, how hard you work. And I have that internal debate with myself. Some days I say, oh, I should take a lot more time off and relax a lot more. And other days I think, oh, I should really work a bit harder and really make this, add all this extra stuff that I want into it. So it's a continual sort of battle for me as to I should work hard or less hard. I remember
0: in the really early days, and it's hard to put my mind back there, but getting out of the nine to five mindset and going out in the day to meet up with someone to talk about business or something was in some way work and was okay. And I didn't yeah. have to feel guilty about hanging out with, with people that for me was just fun, great stuff to talk about, that it wasn't just a jolly. And I was having a laugh doing that kind of thing. And it took a long time to break that break out of that mentality and break out of i think one of the things i did in the early days was i fancied learning to play piano again so i found a piano teacher locally and he's apologetic well i'm sorry the only time i've got free is 9:30 on a tuesday morning I said, you know what i'm free 9:30 on a tuesday yeah. morning and booking things in like that so it's it didn't feel like oh i'm just slacking off i've got something that's booked out on my schedule i'm out of the office for an hour to go and do this piano lesson i found that was a way around those kind of Yeah, those feelings of, oh, I
1: should be in work, I should be doing something. I try and do some exercise most days, so I'll go out for a run or I do a one-on-one kickboxing session with an instructor once a week that i pre-booked to make sure that i go so yeah it's nice to break up the day like that and i think that'd be much harder to do if you're a salad employee just to say to your boss oh it's 11 o'clock i off for a run now i don't have to ask anyone's permission to do that and you've taken up kayaking recently did i see i have yes I, i'm going to go out and buy some more of the gear later on but yeah i've joined the local kayak club partly just to get out of the office and meet more sort of people locally but also i really like yeah. kayaking i've done quite a few when we've been on holiday i tend to try and organize a kayaking trip with a guide and all the gear and everything and last time we went out on holiday we saw a humpback whale breaching yeah (laughs) i think that's that's going to be a bit hard to match in the local swindon swimming pool (laughs) but
0: But yeah you're not out doing some of that during the day then is that all evenings and weekends yeah
1: i go out i do go out cycling sometimes and running during the week and doing chores and things but yeah, I work most most weekdays. But I tend to do my chores during the week simply because I don't I hate queuing for anything. So all the stuff that you might have to queue for if you do it the weekend, I try and do them yeah. during the week. Okay. So yeah. is your part is your partner do they still have a nine to five job or are they working for the business? She does some work for the business,
0: but mostly it's two and a half days a week. She's yeah, got like a nine to five or a nine to midday
1: on Wednesdays. Oh okay. Yeah. And how does that work yeah. with one of you on the clock and the other one with their lifestyle business? Is there any sort of conflict there or it potential was, issues? Yeah, I mean, it was tricky at the start of the year because, like I say, it was, she was three days a week.
0: So I had three short days and I was trying to cram everything in. And we, prior to that, we'd been doing a day a week off because we moved to Tynmouth about a year and a half ago. So we're taking a day off a week to go and do walks that we couldn't do with the kids to so go and check places out in case we wanted to take the kids there. But we try and get out and do a walk, go for a swim, something like that. Um, and spend some time together, which was really nice, but it was hard to fit that in. We found when I had done three short days and then I got two full days and it's can we really justify taking one of my only full days off to go and do this stuff. Also I generally do training on Thursday morning. So already one of those days was chopped in half. I wasn't doing it so much at the start of the year. So it brought some tension in there as you would expect, but we went from her not working at all and being full-time with the kids effectively to. Yeah, her having this job where there's a schedule and she has to be out of the house at a certain time and gets back at a certain time. And I think that's a positive thing of having a sort of flexibility in my business that we could support her in that that she wasn't tied to, oh, you can only get a job that's in the town we live in so that you can drop the kids off every day or pick them up every day. Or you can only work term time jobs and that kind of thing. So it brought some tension, as you would expect, but. Because the flexibility was there, we could work our way around it. And it all, I think, is balancing out now, basically.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's got easier or harder to run a lifestyle business over the last five, 10 years? Do you think it's oh. changed at all?
0: I That's interesting. I don't know that it's got any harder for sure. It feels the prob- the hardness of running a lifestyle business is just the hardness of running a business full stop, isn't it? And businesses have generally got easier to launch, easier to self-start. It's easier to find customer support people who work one hour a day, two hours a day. So you can scale up your requirements very easily. So I'd say it's got easier, but in the same way that bootstrap businesses have got easier to run over the last 10 years. But it does feel like it is talked about less. It's crazy. You go back to four hour work week and that was vision and then what's his name tim
1: who wrote that is now very much
0: not working a four hour work week from what
1: i can tell he never (laughs) was though i don't believe a word (laughs) of that i reckon he was working 20 hours a day it's just that he happened to classify four of that hours of that as work if you read some stuff that other people have written about him they said he was just always out there hustling and ringing people up and trying to obviously like fantastic at self-promotion but i think he really worked at it he just happened not to call that work Yeah. But I wonder if this is
0: what happened. A lot of people who set out to build these sort of businesses got there and then realized, oh, actually, I don't like being on my own all the time. I'm going to start hiring people and I'm going to build a business that facilitates that. Or I've got all this time flexibility, but I don't know what to do with it. So actually, I'm just going to work 40, 60 hours a week and carry on doing that. Maybe it was a thing for a while. And a lot of people, when they got there, realized it wasn't quite what they
1: wanted. So they went off and built something else. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I think some of it's personality. If you're a really extrovert person who needs to be around other people all day, I guess you're probably not a programmer in the first place, but (laughs) probably running a one-man software business is definitely not going to be for you. So yeah, it's just what matches with what your aims are and your personality is and what your skills are. So I'm... I'm a reasonable generalist. I think I'm a pretty good programmer. Obviously, people better than me, but I'm also quite good at documentation and I can do support and I can do a bit of marketing and I'm fairly all-round. The things that I really can't do, like web design, I get somebody else to do those. I intend dying never having learned anything about cascading style sheets
0: Cool. we're short on time i think hopefully not you short on time to not learn about css but just on this recording (laughs) is there anything else you want to talk about before the end
1: so just to finish off yeah just to finish off what why would i use your products perhaps you can just give me a quick one sentence description of them and where i can find out a bit more about them yeah,
0: so if you're using Trello, go and have a look at bluecatreports.com. And we've got all of our products there. I think there's 10 of them at the moment. I've lost count at some point. And they will be pretty obvious to you if you've got a need that we solve. So that's the place to look. And how about you?
1: I'm only working at the moment on easy data transform. So that's a product for if you've got a bunch of different spreadsheets and CSV files and Excel or whatever. And you want to munge it all together and clean it and join it and filter it and output it to some other format. Is the sort of product you use for that drag and drop data transformation. Perfect Table Plan is my seating planner for events that I've been working on for 17 years now. And HyperPlan is a task planner that allows you to slice, dice, and visualize your tasks in lots of different ways. And they're all desktop software products, so old school. Go and download them, have a try. Okay, so I think that's probably covered everything. Where can people find you online if they want to come and tell you you're wrong about all of this? Yeah. <laughs> Someone's wrong on the internet. I'm, a, I'm on Twitter at SuccessfulSW, short for Successful Software. And my blog, which is a little bit intermittent at the moment, is successfulsoftware.com.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I'm at Robin Warren on Twitter. If you want to come and tell me how great it all was, I'll be welcoming five star reviews for the next month.
1: <laughs> OK. Well, I think that's it. It's good night from me. And it's good night from him.
0: Bye.